Hello everyone, my name is Jonathan Hewitt and welcome to the Conservative Voice Show. Your place for honest, controversial, and the hottest in political conversations. Hey guys, so welcome to the Conservative Voice Show. Today we're going to go over where we stand in the election with Joe Biden being declared the winner by the media as votes are still actively being counted and there's huge litigation continuing. I'm also going to go over the calamity that is currently brewing inside the throne room of the Democratic Party and that may set the top of it all from within. And then last but certainly not least, I'll go over where the Republican Party needs to go, how we pick up the pieces, and how we should set forth our path if Biden is elected. All this and more on today's show. First, I'd like to say I apologize if you hear some really loud noise in the background. There is, as you all know, I live really close to an air station and they decided that right now when I want to record is the exact same time that they want to fly just in circles around my house, it seems like. But nonetheless, real quick before we get started, let's look at probably one of the most cringiest videos that I have seen on the internet, like in this entire like 2020 election. So what we're gonna show you is Kamala Harris talking, which I would assume Joe Biden, telling him that they're the winners of the election. And <laughs> it's hysterical. Here it is. We did it, we did it, Joe. You're gonna be the next president of the United States. <laughs> like, you can almost tell how fake it is inside the, like just her voice. Like, we did it, Joe. You're gonna be the next president of the United States. Like, oh, it's so cringy. But nonetheless, that is the narrative that's being pushed, pushed right now. And as of today, the eighth, Joe Biden has been elected. Well, actually I should say, as of the sixth on Saturday, Joe Biden was selected to be the president-elect declared by like every major media outlet there is. But there's only two problems with that. One, counts are still being counted. We still don't have an official result in North Carolina, Georgia, hell, Arizona. Still don't have official counts in those states. And two, there are numerous cases where Trump is litigating and has sued and brought court cases up about voter irregularity, voter fraud, miscounts. All of that is going on. And yet the media still declared it as a Biden victory. But what people don't understand is, is that him doing those court cases, that is Trump's right. And there is precedent for this. And there, it is not unknown to the American people. Two decades ago in 2000, Al Gore, the election between Al Gore and George W. Bush went a lot of the same way. It was very, very close. There was toss-ups. It went back and forth between, oh, uh, Bush is going to have it, Al Gore is going to have it, Bush is going to have it, Al Gore is going to have it. And so it went back and forth. And the media, again, called the race way too early. And so the court litigation went on for 36 days after the election. 36 days the American people did not know who the president was. And so for the Democrats to say that all of this is out of the norm and that there's this has never been done before and there's something ridiculous going on and the Republicans are just trying to steal the election because we're unhappy with the election. First, I find it real funny that the people telling me that I'm unhappy about the election are the same people that for four years tried to cook up some 
way to get the president out because they weren't happy with the 2016 election. Let's not forget that the same party that is claiming that we should just accept the results are the same party that used millions of taxpayers' dollars in order to fund and draft a steel dossier that would eventually try to prove some form of Russia collusion that was unfounded and found to be fake just so they could oust the sitting president of the United States because they were unhappy with the 2016 election. So I find it very, very hard to listen to them and believe them when that is the same party trying to tell me all of this. But in 2000, to like boot all of that, Al Gore was a Democrat nominee. He was a Democratic candidate that did the exact same thing that Trump is doing. Unhappy with the election results, believed that there was voter fraud, voter suppression, all of those things going on litigated in court, ended up losing it, and George W. Bush did get elected. But to say that it's unheard of, it was your, it was your candidate. Dems, it was your guys' candidate that did it. So, but have no fear, it is okay. The dis- divisive and irredeemable media had, that is backed by in the entire campaign, and that the right is just a bad, bad group of people narrative, has his back. So, in an article today, written by Donia Sullivan with CNN, wrote, in the capital of Pennsylvania, the state that ultimately tipped the election in the favor of president-elect, there's that, there's that key word they like to use, president-elect, Joe Biden, supporters of President Donald Trump gathered to protest the election results this weekend. Okay, I'm going to stop right there and just reiterate that CNN, The New York Times, Fox News, Washington Post, Politico, none of them are the people that declare a nominee. The Electoral College has not voted, and they are not to vote until the 14th. And so Joe Biden is not the president-elect, regardless of what media outlets tell you. That has not occurred yet, and that's not a thing. So they need to stop lying. Anyway. The past four years of America has been under education in how grievances and misinformation on social media don't just stay online. They spill out into the streets, can manifest as violence, and, as seen in Harrisburg this weekend, be used in an attempt to undermine the bedrock of American democracy, free and fair elections. Trump supporters gathered under the banner, stopped the steal, convinced the election had been stolen. One woman told me she had seen so much evidence that the election had been rigged, she would support a total revote. All right. One, it is very, very hard, again, to believe CNN that they have, that we should not believe social media when they have been the ones promulgating social media on Twitter that President Trump is this very bad man and is just full of all these crazy grievances that are unredeemable. So... I find it very hard when CNN tells me that. Second, that they're using it to undermine the bedrock of American democracy, free and fair elections. There's plenty of cases. Now, is it on the level that it's going to influence the election and swing the election back in Trump's favor? I don't know, it could be. I, don't, I really don't know. I, I don't know the numbers. I don't know how much there is, but any amount of it, I believe, needs to be investigated to ensure that we're doing that free and fair election that CNN just claimed. So good job, CNN, for trying to tell us that we need to maintain free and fair elections, but then illegitimatize the process, which is used to ensure free and fair elections. So good job on for you there.
election officials, the article goes on to say election officials in Virginia where the papers that looked like the ballots appeared to be from, talking about that video where they were burned. They're saying they were sample ballots and that they've been trying to correct that misinformation for days. And so when you have a social media platform, when you have news agencies that are all declaring that, that the Democratic nominee Joe Biden has won, and then you have the Republican Party trying to fight back on that. That hey, hold up, like it's not over yet. It hasn't been declared, and we still have all these things going through the court system that we need to litigate first. And when they do that, then you have CNN, New York Times, Twitter, all attacking the Republican Party for using the process that is constitutional when there are grievances in the election. It's just. It is insane to see how much they are willing to stand behind the process when it supports them, but when it is opposes them or does not work in their favor, the Democrats strictly oppose the Constitution. Like I said, the problem with that whole article is that we're not misinformed. We may be misinformed on some things, but there have been plenty of videos of voter irregularities, poll watchers not being allowed to, to watch the votes, overnight ballots that came in and were all for a single candidate. Now, Joe Biden got 100,000 plus votes and they were all for him, cool, kudos for him. But I find it very, very hard to think that 100,000 plus people all voted for Joe Biden at one time. I find that very, very difficult to believe. You have the system in Michigan that counted something like 6,000 votes for Democrats that were actually supposed to be for Republicans. And so all of those are very, very good reasons that President and his supporters demand the investigation that they demand. Now, I'm not saying that it should be done because Trump wants it done. There are two huge reasons. One, I'm saying it because it's Trump's right, that is his campaign and his right to bring anything that he believes to be suspicious to court, that's his right, and let a court decide. And second, with everything that we've seen in this election, how else can we prove to the, that the election was valid? How else can we prove that there was no voter interference? If we don't investigate it, if the DOJ, if the election commission, if the courts don't investigate all these claims, what is that gonna do to the legitimacy, one of Biden's presidency? Like not a single American is going to look at him as a legitimate president. It's going to be huge undermining of the system. And two, what does that do for our system? Like I said in my last podcast, our ability to hold free and fair elections is what makes us stand out from every other country in the world. And if we cannot maintain that integrity, what is that going to do to our system? So those are two huge, huge reasons that we should be investigating, if for no other reason, to just maintain the security and integrity of our own elections. So this is what truly matters. And I've said it time and time again. If Trump fairly loses, meaning there's no voter suppression, voter fraud, irregularities, system malfunctions, all the crazy things we're hearing, then he needs to facilitate a peaceful transition of power. That is his right. But if he doesn't, he needs to stand up for the American people because ultimately it's our votes that are being messed with. It's not his votes. It's the voice of 70,000, let's say 70,000 people 
that are unheard of. Or in other places where it could be huge swings of, of people, those are people's votes that aren't being heard. Those are American votes that aren't being heard. And that's wrong. And if for no other reason, that's the reason why the president needs to fight it. If the election comes out to not be fair and free, if those come out to be true instances of voter fraud, irregularities, system malfunctions, if that is true, he needs to fight for the American people, not for himself, but to ensure that every American is heard. So something else that frustrates me so much is when you look across the media, like, like I was on New York Times earlier today, and they, like, there were like four articles that all had the same headlines, like how the president won't admit Biden won, or Republicans refusing to admit that Biden is president-elect, so on and so on. Hold up, like I said, first, CNN, you don't decide. New York Times, you don't decide. Washington Post, you don't decide. Hell, Fox News, you don't decide. Politico, like, there is not a single news outlet in America that decides the outcome of the American election. That power holds and that power is held solely by the Electoral College. And even though the, you may, the media may have played, played a huge instrumental role in the election by hoisting Biden on a pedestal of lies that was fed to the American people, that same organization does not get to decide our elections for us. Our electors in the Electoral College are elected for a reason, and that is their job. Too often we forget that we are not a, de a pure democracy and we do not get, I'm sorry, we're not a pure democracy and our elections are not won solely by majority. We're a constitutional republic where we have an electoral college that is voted on and are stand in that position and they vote per their state. That is their job. And so until the electoral college votes and declares a winner, there is no winner of the election. And the sooner the media stops trying to push that narrative that Biden has already won, the sooner a lot of things will kind of iron themselves out. But nonetheless, the Biden campaign has began to look towards January and began planning the change of power. With the New York Times releasing an article with the headline as Divided Washington, Biden could still exert economic power. First, before I even continue, first, we have checks and balances for a reason. You as the president do not have the final say in every single thing that happens. How do we know that? Well, we've had a president, like, we have an entire 240 plus years of the Constitution being used in the framework of our country that states you don't have the ultimate power. The presidency does not hold the ultimate power. No branch of government does. And so, I think it also shows that they, I think this article, before we get into it, I think when I read it to you, you'll see that they, the Democrats don't believe that they're going to win the Senate race. And I say that because they're preparing the table for a way that they'll get around the Republican majority in the Senate. And so, the article reads, in the run-up to the election, Mr. Trump saw the limits of the White House ability to jumpstart the economy without Congress. He repurposed some federal funds to temporarily extend expanding unemployment insurance and allow companies to defer collection of workers' payroll taxes, but found his hands largely tied beyond those measures. Economic and political advisors say Mr. Biden could seek other creative approaches 
if a Republican Senate blocks the kind of big spending package the Democrats have been pushing? Well, right now, I don't think that we need big spending package. Right now, we need to think about Americans, stop trying to raise taxes, because a big spending package is just going to do that. Somebody has to pay for that money the Democrats want to spend. This includes providing student debt relief, which Ms. Wong said would work as sort of a stimulus by removing the burden of those payments. Mr. Biden could direct the education secretary to forgive student loans up to a certain amount. Ms. Wong would favor as much as 50,000 to 75,000 for low and moderate income houses. The move, she said, would strongly benefit workers from minority, racial, and ethnic groups. Okay, there's only one problem with all of this. You may give that relief, but where does that relief come from? Ultimately, someone's going to have to pay for that. We don't just pull money out of the federal government and then not be paid for by somebody or something. Are you gonna cut education to pay it? Are you gonna raise healthcare? To, I'm sorry, are you gonna raise taxes to pay it? Hell, let's not even get to your $93 trillion healthcare plan that Biden wants to do for a public option, which is absolutely a travesty. It is absolutely gonna be terrible for the American people. But where's all that money gonna come from? It's only gonna come from one place. It's your taxes, your education, or other forms of infrastructure that are needed to maintain the integrity of the United States. But all of this isn't something that we expected. Harris and Biden from the very beginning said that they were going to repeal Trump's tax credit, tax act, which is going to gravely increase taxes across the middle class, across the upper class. It's going to be felt all across the board, the lower class. It's going to mean that the middle class of Americans are going to have less money. And there's a lot to be said there in what both parties represent. And as we move forward, I think we're going to see that contrast is that the Republicans are the party of the working people. They are the party of the people that go to work every day, pay their bills, work 40 hour plus a week. They are the party of the blue collar. While you have the Democrat party that are the party of the original elite that advocate for the low income while doing nothing about it. So sure, you can say that you're going to repeal I'm sorry, not repeal, give $50,000 of relief to a low-income family that's going to alleviate their child's debt. But how are you going to pay for that? Are you going to raise their income? I'm sorry, you going to raise their taxes they pay by $8,000 a year? So how much does that really help them? And so it's funny to see the left advocate saying that they are going to help the lower class and middle class by doing these programs that are ultimately going to end up screwing over the lower and middle class. So... That's what you have. You have the Republican Party working for that middle class, that working class, that lower class of people. And that's what they represent. And then you have the Democratic Party that represents this upper elitist group of people that state that they're advocating and representing the lower class while continuing to press policies that are ultimately going to destroy the lower and middle class. It makes absolutely no sense. So what does all this mean? Well, ultimately means there's going to be a huge calamity in the Democratic Party. And we've already seen it happen. Even though Biden has been announced the winner by the media, the internals of the Democratic Party are in absolute shambles. So our first evidence of this comes from a conference call that occurred between the House of Democrats on the Thursday following the election. And you can see and hear the tensions just rising. So why is all this? In this conference call, the moderates that won their seats 
are slamming the leftist radicals and the socialists in their party because they almost didn't win re-election because of it. And they're slamming their that left party for ultimately the majority of the Democratic Party's downfall. Remember, the Democrat was supposed to, by all polls, pick up seats in the House, win the presidency, take over the Senate, but none of that's happened. By all available evidence right now, Joe Biden may be the president-elect. Depending on the runoffs in Georgia, the Senate may be held majority by the Republicans. And in the House, they lost at least a half dozen seats inside the House. And so, and they talk about the majority of that being that the Democrats support movements and organizations like Antifa, Black Lives Matter, calling for defunding the police, other things like that that are very, very hot topic items that the majority of Americans don't resonate with, where then pushed by the Democratic Party. And so, in an article written in The Hill by Scott Wong and Mike Lillis, moderate House Democrats lashed out at the liberal colleagues Thursday using a marathon caucus-wide conference call to bash progressives for advancing an agenda that the centrist says cost the party a number of seats in Tuesday's election. And passionate representative Abigail Spanberger, who squeaked to victory Our in Central. lashed out at their liberal colleagues oh. on Thursday using oh. a marathon caucus wide conference call to bet. I have no idea where that came from, but okay. And why I decided to read that for me, but thanks, I guess. All right. An impassioned representative, Abigail Spanberger, who squeaked to victory in Central Virginia, took liberals to task for promoting the policy of redirecting funds away from the police department, an idea that took off following the death of George Floyd in May. And the Republicans used the campaign trail to hammer Democrats with charges of nurturing crime, which is absolutely true. That Spanberger is not wrong in that, in the fact that Democrats did. Look at the countless Democrat cities that let crime run rampant in their cities, just absolutely rampant in their cities, and did nothing about it. Spanberger called the Democrats' campaign strategy a failure. I do disagree, Abigail, that it was a failure. Speaker Pelosi interjected, we won the House. You barely won the House. You lost at least half a dozen seats in an election that you were supposed to wipe away the board with. You were supposed to completely walk away with the House in this election. Um, Representative Mark Vesey of Texas delivered a similar condemnation, lamenting that the far left's approach to several issues, including moving funds away from the police and banning fracking, had given the ammunition to the GOP attack ads. Vesey said that he had watched commercial after commercial using video footage of Democrats uttering the words, defund the police to great efforts. Again, like, they're not wrong. And none of this is what the Democrats planned for in the beginning, but it is occurring because the American people are beginning to understand what the left's agenda is inside the House and that they won't stand for it. And how there are leftists and radical left extremists those in like AOCs and the squad that continually want to push socialist ideologies down the throats of Americans. And Americans don't want to stand for it anymore. 
It's also occurring because the Democrats doubled down this year on the ideas of like Black Lives Matter, Antifa, defund the police, and other social justice agendas that they coupled with those. And that just did not resonate with the American people. How do you separate yourself from something that your party for four years, or at least for the last two years, has been rallying behind? The fact that Democrats have constantly said there's some form of racial injustice in America, that police are overtly racist, that the Republican Party are overly racist. So you now segregate at least half the American population by saying those things and then push your moderate voters towards the Republicans when you continue to say things like you want to defund the police and continue to let riots and looters occur in your Democrat-controlled cities. Like, what else do the Democrats expect? But they can't take themselves away from it because they've already supported it for so long that they're now entwined with the workings of BLM and Antifa and the idea of defund the police and the social justice and cancel culture of America. But it goes further to show just how far left some of the members of the Democratic caucus are. When you have AOC and her squad want to go as far as attacking their own own party. So Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez on the 5th tweeted out, why do we listen to people who lost elections as if they were experts in winning elections? McCaskill tried her approach. She ran as a caravan hysteria dim and lost while grassroots organizers won progressive measures. Her language here shows she took her base for granted. Um, and just to give you an idea of the tweet, the tweet reads, Claire Maskell, whether you're talking about guns or abortions or gay marriage and the rights for transsexuals and the other people who we as a party look after and make sure they are treated fairly. As we circled the issues, we left the voters behind and the Republicans dove in, which is very, very true. When the Democrats continue to press things like intersectionality, trans, transgender, the race issue, abortion, all those things that they want to pass and foresee as a huge issue in America, a lot of the moderate, moderate Democrats do not agree with that. And so they left a lot of voters behind. They've 100% dead. And to see AOC try to attack like other Democrats because they don't agree with their far less socialism is absolutely hilarious. So AOC then continues over the weekend doing an interview with CNN where she said that she's not aware of a single candidate that campaigned on any ideas of socialism. Um, I guess she forgot about herself in that matter then. Like, here's a clip of AOC outright lying to the American people. Attacks are going to happen every cycle. And so the question is, how do we defend ourselves against that? If you look at some of these, you know, some of the the arguments that are being advanced that defund the police hurt or that arguments about socialism hurt, not a single, not a single member of Congress that I'm aware of campaigned on socialism or defunding the police in this general election. So you were telling me not a single member of Congress supported the defund the police movement or any other socialist health, socialist ideas, health care for all. Um, equal pay, like closing the pay gap, uh, equal pay for all, all these things that we've heard from the left. Because I remember almost every single Democratic candidate, Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, Joe Biden, all speaking during the Democratic primaries about some version that they want to implement about socialized health care. 
I remember just Joe Biden releasing in his last debate that his Biden care that I have a public option that will seek to undermine and destroy privatized health care. I also remember not long ago when Joe Cunningham and Jamie Harrison here in South Carolina called for defunding the police along with other police reform acts. So don't go around telling me or another single American that there's nobody on the Democratic side that campaigned for items. They think campaign for items of socialist nature, didn't campaign behind the defund the police movement or any other social justice issues that Democrats believe are the key issues in American politics. Because that's an absolute lie. And the fact that you're on national television, downright lying to the American people, is absolutely despicable. But that is the problem. And as they continue the path they are on now, they will continue to alienate things like the Latino and Cuban and minority votes. Those who come from other oppressive regime, countries with oppressive regimes and aren't going to stand for socialism and don't want that. They're also going to alienate their swing state voters and they're going to end up coming to an impasse where they are going to either be forced to let go of their current views, let go of the socialism, let go of the defund the police, Antifa, Black Lives Matter, social justice, woke culture, cancel culture, everything that the Democratic Party has just kind of embodied, or completely lose the majority of the American public. That's, that's what's going to end up happening. So what is, this is, is this is all actually really, really good news for Republicans. So at the beginning, I told you I would tell you what I think the Republicans need to do in order to regain control of the presidency if they do indeed lose this year. And as a party, kind of what we need to do to recalibrate ourselves, like recock the gun so we can make sure that we fire straight in like moving forward. So first, we have to acknowledge that if the fair, this election is fair, it is open, it is free, and that the people actually did vote in Joe Biden, that there was no voter fraud irregularities, then it was the American people that wanted either Donald Trump or the Republican Party out of office. And that being said, we have to accept that. We have to accept the Constitution. We have to, ex we have to accept that as the right of the voters and that the American people control who governs them. And so that is the very, very first thing that the Republican Party needs to embody is that we need to ensure that we are not like the Democrats of 2016, where we continue to bitch and moan about the results of the 2016 election. So we need to accept that that was the will of the American people, if that's what it turns out to be, and then move forward on how we can fix our own party to ensure that we have the vote in 2024. With that being said, I, I said earlier, we're the party of the middle class and the working class, and we need to capitalize on that. During the next four years, we need to ensure that we draw sharp comparisons against where we were proud of like COVID-19 and where Biden's going to take us, where like taxes are, prices of things, unemployment, jobs, American manufacturing, American ingenuity, American innovation. Those are all things that were booming before COVID under the Republican held presidency. And we need to ensure that in the next four years, we. Don't us, we don't attack Joe Biden and attack the Democrats as people. We attack them on their just outright crappy, socialist-bound agenda. To the normal Americans, we need to remind them how much their taxes increased, how much their wages went down, how much inflation continued, how much more their families struggling to pay the bills than they were four years ago. 
we need to figure out next how to get into the cities. So anyone that has looked at any of the map that shows the counties and how each county voted, the majority of farmers, rural America, all voted red, where the majority of the places that Biden won was the cities. And we need to find out as a Republican party how to get into those cities, how to show that we are the party of the middle class, of the working class, and they still work in those inner cities and that we will represent them better than all the lies that the Democrats tell them that they're gonna do for them and then fail. We need to figure out a way to sway and influence the inner cities of America that have long time been Democrat strongholds. That will help the Republican Party tremendously. Second, where do we go? We need to rebrand the Republican Party back to the conservative movement that it originally was. Back to when it was the grand old party and go back to less government intervention, less taxes, less regulations, booming economies. And we do this a few different ways. One, maintaining the moment, the momentum that Trump gave us. Whether the Republicans like Trump, hate Trump, Donald Trump did a lot of good things for the Republican party. a a vast number of great things. And that momentum that he has is something that we need to ensure that we carry forward if he's not reelected. And in terms of the party, we need to make sure that we keep those minority votes, keep those Latino votes, and don't alienate those voters. We need to pick up the disenfranchised and show them that a government that gives you everything is not going to be the government that you want. It's going to be a government that ends up controlling you because if they give you everything, then you are now indebted to them. And a Republican with, I'm sorry, a government with less intervention, less taxation, less regulations, bigger economy, more American jobs, more American manufacturing. Those are all going to be things that are going to do wonders for the Republican party. What we have to ensure is that the fighting that Trump is giving us now, that the GOP doesn't lose. Because for a long time, the GOP was not, they weren't fighters, they didn't fight it. They just let it go and then just let the Democrats have their way. And that is how we got to where we are now, is we just let the Democrats push us, push us and push us. And now we're in a spot where our backs are against the wall. And so we need to ensure that we focus the next four years on ensuring that we've positively rebranded the Republican Party into being that party of the middle class, being their party of disenfranchised voters, being the party that's gonna support the American values, being the party that's going to support law enforcement, support the military, bring back law and order. All of those things that the, the end of this election has brought to the forefront in the Republican Party are all the things that we need to be pressing going forward in the next four years. So that is it for today, guys. Um, I apologize. Again, I know a few jets flew over and I apologize. I apologize for not making a video Friday. I've been out of town all weekend and wasn't around my computer, wasn't around Twitter, wasn't really around Instagram. Parlor, which is blowing up right now. Make sure you can follow me there at the Conservative Voice Show, which is amazing. I, wouldn't, I don't know if I want to say it's conservative, but it's a free social media platform that 
that doesn't have any censoring or anything ridiculous like that that you see in Twitter and Facebook and all those that are highly controlled by the big tech companies. So make sure you go on over there, follow us on there. Also, if you want to see the full video on this with the clips of Kamala Harris being ridiculous and we did it, Joe. You're going to be the next president of the United States. And how cringy that was. You want to see Ocasio-Cortez sitting there talking about how she doesn't press socialist views and that she no one's ever campaigned on that. You can follow me on YouTube and find me at the Conservative Voice Show on there as well. And guys, till next time, I'll see you all tomorrow. I wish you all the very best. God bless you all.